you just missed an opportunity this past week. Hit the do-over button. Uh, you know, what, what if, you know, college, you just, it's just a blur. You don't even remember it, maybe, just to hit the do-over button. You know, maybe your, maybe your whole marriage, maybe your whole adult, maybe your whole life, you would just like a do-over button. Well, life does not afford us that kind of do-over button, but I am here to talk to you this morning that our God does offer us a do-over. Our God is the God of do-overs for us. We get a do-over anytime we want with God. We get a do-over whenever we surrender our lives to Him. And the Bible says we can be born again. We can have a spiritual rebirth. And we get a do-over with life in Him. We can go through the waters of baptism. And we can be washed clean. And we can start afresh. And we can get a do-over with God. We can be called by a new name. We can embrace a new identity as the children known and loved and loving God. Can I get an amen from some brothers? and sisters who got a do-over from God. If you got a do-over, give me an amen. Amen, Amen, brothers and sisters. It is so great to get a do-over with God. The psalmist, in fact, says that his mercies are new. They are fresh every morning. Every morning we can get a do-over. Every morning we can say, God, maybe this yesterday I blew it. Yesterday is in the past. Yesterday I had some regrets. Yesterday I have some need to make some apologies or need to make some amends. But his mercies are fresh and new every morning. His grace, his love, his goodness can come to us fresh and new every morning. And today we're going to talk about getting a do-over with God. Now, in order to get us there, we need to get into the Word of God. So I need to ask you, friends, are you ready for the Word of God? All right. All right. A couple of us are, but I need to get all of us here. The Word, we, we, we say this all the time, but, you know, every, every couple of weeks I'll, I'll, I'll do this bit. It's an important bit. We're, we're about to go to the Word of God. The Word of God for you. If you have faith. If you have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts of faith to believe, this is God's word for you today. This is God's word over your life this week. These are God's words of life to speak into your heart, where you are at, what you need, what you're going through. This is God's word for you today. So let me ask it again. Are you ready for the word of God to speak to you, my friends? Now you're ready, friends. Now you're ready. This is God's word for us today. We are finally moving our way to chapter 3 in the Exodus story. And it's going to get real here. And it's going to get personal with Moses. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at 
God. This story of the burning bush is iconic. If you don't know what, congratulations to do to you today, because this is a life-changing story and revelation from God for us. Now, last week brought us here. Last week, we finally met Moses, but we weren't exactly impressed with Moses just yet. Within the first couple of verses, he kills a man and goes running off into hiding and spends the next 40 years in obscurity. We called it the land between. The divine detour that started our series is when God needs to send us somewhere for preparation. The land between the way we've framed it, we send ourselves by our choices, by our actions. Moses gets this idea. We even learn that he kind of gets the calling that he's going to be the deliverer, but he takes it upon himself. He takes matters into his own hands. He looks this way. He looks that. He sees two men fighting. He decides to insert himself, and it does not go well for him. This might be worth the morning. This might be worth the series for some of you. Some of you, the lesson is do not insert yourself into other people's business sometimes. I, I mean, <laughs> getting some clapped. I mean, I mean, this is just some life experience. I mean, I learned this the hard way. And I was a pastor and, you know, getting into church life and I'd hear about a church conflict or things going on. I would think to myself, well, I will just insert myself into this and I will bring resolution as the minister of the gospel of peace. And I, well, the fight would get resolved in that it would just get focused on me. I, I, I mean, how many times have we tried to insert ourselves into this? I, I, right? I mean, how many times have my kids been fighting? I think, I, as their father, will insert myself into their situation, resolve this conflict for them. It does not go well, friends. It does not go well to insert yourself into others' conflict most of the time. It does not go well for Moses when he inserts himself into the conflict. He is not warmly received. He is not given a high five. He is exposed. He is exposed. Who are you? I mean, who are you? Who made you judge and ruler over us? Are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? Well, Moses gets exposed, and then he gets deposed, and he is out in the desert, and he thinks, he thinks he's done. I mean, there's been grace in his life. He could, he could say this. He could say, you know, uh, you, you know I, I, I thought I was all that, and then I realized I, realized I wasn't, but I've, I've at least made a life for myself. I got a job. I got a wife. I got two kids. Maybe this is my, my do-over. Maybe just living this life in obscurity, in humility, just tending these flocks. Maybe that's what God had in store for me. But we mentioned last week that Moses' life is going to be broken down for us in thirds, and we can see our lives in one of those thirds. The first 40 years, he thinks he's somebody. These next 40 years, he thinks he's nobody, and he's about to spend the last 40 years realizing what God can do with nobody. Because if our God can create ex nihilo, if our God can make something out of nothing, then our God can certainly take somebody who's made some mistakes and do something great with them. So Moses is about to get his due over. So this message today is for people who are ready, who are in need of, who are crying out for a due over in life. It's a due over story. He is about to find out what God can do through him. Because friends, it's not about us being qualified. 
It's about God's calling on our lives. It doesn't matter how many mistakes we make, though we don't want to make mistakes and we don't want to screw up and we don't want to use our words foolishly or conduct our lives uh, you know, without care uh, and consideration. Uh, we don't want to bring these things on ourselves, but God calls and God sends and God is the God of do-overs and that's going to be the heart of this story before we begin to break it down step by step. The heart of this story, what God is going to be telling Moses over and over again is it doesn't matter about you so much, as bad as that can sound, it doesn't matter about you Moses, you're just my tool, you're just my vessel, you're just a jar that I'm going to use and it doesn't matter how many cracks you feel you have in your life, I'm doing this. I'm the God of promise. I'm the God of covenant. I'm the God of delivering. You are just the deliverer. You are just the bearer of the message. It is all about God in this story. Moses is our entry point. He is a supporting character. He is our entry point to the story, but the story will continue to be about the God who keeps his promise, who hears his people's cry for mercy, for deliverance, and God will deliver. God will deliver for Moses. God will deliver for us. And so, Moses, the breakdown of the story. Moses is living out these days in obscurity. Day 14,660 or something like that, but who's keeping count? He's been out there for about 40 years, and all of a sudden, God shows up. Unannounced and presumably uninvited. Because our God does that sometimes. Our God shows up when it's time for God to show up. Doesn't send a messenger. Doesn't give you warning. God shows up when God needs to show up. God shows up this day. Moses looks over and he sees a burning bush. That wouldn't have been something completely out of the norm in a dry, arid desert land where lightning can strike, bushes can be consumed in fire, but they'd quickly go out as the fuel would all be consumed. But Moses looks over and he sees that though this bush is burning, it is not being consumed. And so he says to himself, I will go over and see this strange sight. So whenever he saw this, it says that he moved. God, Moses saw something and he moved. So God is going to speak after Moses moved. So the first lesson for us this morning is that we need to move if we want to hear God speak sometime, my friends. We need to move if we want to hear God speak into our lives. Congratulations, you have moved yourselves towards God this morning. You got yourself out of bed. You got yourself ready. You got yourself all dolled up. You're looking pretty good, I might say. You started the move towards God. But what I want to tell us this morning is we might not be all the way there. It is time for us to move closer to God. It is time for us to move our lips 
and praise and prayer to him. It's time to move our hands and expressions of worship to him. It's time to move our feet towards God. It's time for us to make a closer move towards God if we want to hear God speaking into our lives. Our God will show up. Our God will present himself. Our God will offer to us, but we need to make a move towards God as Moses moves towards the bush, and then he can hear God speak into his life. Make a move towards God. Today could be the day that somebody before this morning is over, before you get on with your week, you could make the move towards God that could change your life. You can make the move of offering your very heart to him. You make the move of offering your life to him. You can make the move of surrendering everything to him. Today could be the day that a couple could be reunited if you make a move towards God together. A couple could come together and join their hands and bow their heads and pray to God and say, together we will move towards God. My friends, make a move towards God the God of the burning bush who is calling out to you. Moses makes a move, and he hears his voice spoken. Moses, Moses. And then he responds. He responds. In the, in the English translation, we have three words. Here I am. In the Hebrew, it's one word. Hinehi. It's Hinehi, and it is not Anifo. Now, I'm pulling out the seminary stuff here, aren't I, Anya? We're about to go to Hebrew school here today. You guys ready for some Hebrew school? All right, some people actually are. Very good. I thought I was going to be like crickets out here, like on that. We are about to go to Hebrew. If you were to go to Hebrew school and I'd be teaching you Hebrew and we were taking attendance and I'd say, you know, Melissa, are you here? You would say, Ani Fo, I'm here. If I'd say, Gabe, are you here? You'd say, Ani Fo, I'm here. But you wouldn't say, it would sound awkward in the Hebrew if you said the words Hinehi. Hinehi, because the first, anifo, is a statement of position. Here, I'm here. But hinehi is a statement of proposition. Here I am. Are you starting to understand the difference here, friends? Our God is the God who is not, does not need <laughs> to know our position in life. Our God is the all-seeing, all-knowing God going to and fro, going all about. He doesn't need to know your position in life, but he wants to know if you will accept the proposition to offer your life. Our God is the God who extends the invitation to come to him, and over the ages, men and the women have been responding, he nay he, here I am, here I am, God, take me. He, a man named Abram hears the call of this God that he had not known before, and he says, he, nay, he, here I am, God, I will give my life to you. A young boy named Samuel is in the temple of the Lord, and he hears him calling, and he says, here I am, he, nay, he, God, here I am, I will offer my life to you. Moses here is making the offering of his life, and he's inviting us to make that offering as well. Not a position in life, but a proposition, here I am, God. Here I am, God. Take all of me. Take all of me. So Moses makes a move towards God. He hears God calling his name, Moses, Moses. He offers his life. He begins this act of submission. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Take all of me. And then God speaks into him. And what he says, his first order of business with Moses. And we have to begin to break this down so we understand the God of the burning bush. As he says, take 
off your sandals, Moses, for you are standing on holy ground. Now, if you'll notice, I wore my Jesus sandals here today. And if you know anything about me, you know I have some foot issues. Uh, I talk about this probably far too much, but I have some serious foot issues. I have the opposite of a foot fetish. I have a foot phobia. I seriously have issues with feet. Feet are like the most disgusting thing that God has done in all of creation. He made us these smelly, stinky, bunion-y corny, fungus. I, I mean, I have serious, I mean, my family will do this to me. We'll be like sitting at the table and yeah, I'll just like feel them, you know, this, and I'll feel like the feet like on me and, and I will scream. I will break out like the hands, I'll like get the sanitizer and I'll be like, oh, okay, okay, that's enough. I have serious foot issues, but it appears that God has some foot issues too. And I do not presume to understand all of God's foot issues, but I've learned two things this week in studying this passage. He says, Moses, take your shoes off because he needs Moses to move from work to worship. All right, this is the part where, you know, like the sooner you get it, the sooner we can all go to lunch. He needs Moses to move from work to worship. He needs Moses to move from what he can do to what only God can do. He needs to say, you've got a new job here, Moses, and the job is actually about worshiping me because it is all about my worship. It is ultimately all about my worship. You need to move from your work, your efforts, what you can do in your own power, which isn't much, to my worship. And if you can get into my worship, if you can get into my presence, then we are going to be able to do something Moses, we need to move you from work to worship. We're going to go in deep on this when we get into the decrees of God and the command to worship him. But this is the invitation that it all begins with worship. God is looking for worshipers, and then he is using worshipers to send out in mission for him. He is going to and fro and about, and he is looking for for worshipers. And he doesn't care about the style. He doesn't care about the songs. He doesn't care about the lights. He doesn't care about the condition of the building. That, none of that matters to him. Though it matters. What he is looking for is worshipers. And he's saying, if I can find worshipers, I can use them in mission. If we want to be a church sent, if we want to be a church being the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ, making an impact in our community and in our world, we need to be a church of worshipers. We need to ground ourselves. We need to sink our toes deep into the sand of his holiness, of his presence, of his glory, of his praise. We need to sink our feet down into worship with him, friends. Are you starting to get it? Take off your feet. You're moving on to holy ground. You're moving from your work to my worship, and I need you to do this, Moses. I need you to get grounded in me. In athletics, we always talk about this. We always talk about taking your stance in athletics. Whether you're going up to bat, you take an athletic stance. If you're coming up to the line of scrimmage, you get down in position. Whether you're going to be in a boxing match or an MMA fight, you take a fighting stance. You need your feet grounded grounded. Because when you do, two things can happen, friends. When you got your athletic stance, when you're grounded, you can stand firm. 
I could, you know, I could get David up here. He's twice as big as me, but you know, he could, he could pound on my chest, but he's not going to move me. You know, you know, Steve, he can't even budge me. I'm just looking out for the big guys here in the audience. When you get your athletic stance, you cannot be moved. And God's going to need that from Moses. He says, you're going to go up against some big characters. And I need you to stand firm. I need you to not be moved. You need to be grounded in my worship. So that you will not be afraid. And you will make your stand. The other thing about an athletic stance is whenever the time comes, you're ready to spring into action like a tiger, like a cat on the move. You can just jump and leap and go out. And Moses is going to need to move when God says it's time to move. When the time comes for Moses to move, he needs to get up and he needs to go and he's going to need to cross over the Red Sea and he's going to need to move into the promised land. He's saying, Moses, I need you to stand firm when you stand firm in me. And when I call you to go, you need to go. So I need you to be grounded. I need you to be grounded in my worship. The other thing about this is that he doesn't want Moses bringing some of the mess of the past into the promise of tomorrow. That's another good one. So I'm just going to say that one again here, friends, so it starts to sink in. He needs us to not take some of the mess of the past into the promise of the future. So you need to take off some of that old stuff. You see, now I went and I did mission work. It sounds funny now. People laugh about it now. But I went and I was a missionary in Canada for eight years. And we planted a church up there. And one of the things I learned when I got to Canada is that it is cultural that you take your shoes off whenever you go into somebody's house. Anybody grow up in that house, know that house? Like, you just got to take your shoes off. You got to want to, you just got to, when I went to Canada, I was like, I didn't, like, what is this, a dojo? I'm not doing mission work in Japan. I was like, why does everybody make me take my shoes off everywhere I go? But everywhere I went, I had to take my shoes off. So I started to buy boots with a zipper on the side to make it easier on me. But then I realized, then I realized this until recently was all farmland. And when you live and work on the farm, you wear a type of footwear called kickers. Now, there's an adjective to describe what that footwear kicks that I cannot say amongst a holy and consecrated people of God. But if you ask me after the service, I will tell you what the footwear was in all day long. But it makes sense culturally then that you didn't want to take that work into the house of God. You didn't take, want to take that work and that stuff that you were dragging your feet through into where you were going to roll on the carpet and play with your kids and do your life. And what God is telling us is, I don't want you to bring some of that stuff into my presence. I don't want you to bring some of that stuff into this new house that I'm building. I don't want you to bring some of that stuff from yesterday into the promise that I have for you tomorrow. And I'm guessing that there's some people that you might agree with that, that there's maybe some stuff from yesterday that you'd rather not bring into tomorrow. There's some stuff from your life that you don't want to drag with you through where God is taking you. There's some stuff that was done to you or some stuff that you did. There is some stuff that happened in your life. There's some stuff that maybe you don't need to be dragging into God's future for you. He's telling Moses, Take off your shoes, my man. Take off your shoes because we're going to get you on holy ground. And we're going to ground you in my worship. 
and that stuff from the past that you felt disqualified you, Moses, you don't have to drag that into the promise where I'm taking you tomorrow. It does not, does not have to define you and your life any longer. So, our man Moses, he sees God doing something. He makes a move towards God. God is able to speak then to him. He is then able to make the proposition to God, here I am, God, here I am, God. God is then able to speak deeper into his life. Take off your shoes. I'm going to bring you into holy, hallowed ground. You do not have to bring this stuff that disqualified you from the past into where I'm taking you tomorrow. And then he speaks over Moses. And he says to him, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And I am your God now too, Moses. He is about to make Moses his own. And he does it through this revelation of the burning bush. Now, my friends, I want to tell you, if you can follow this, follow this, follow this train of thought here, and there will be a blessing at the other end of this. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Kicking it old school on you now. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Because Jesus in his ministry, he told his followers, he said, I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. And if I go ahead to prepare a place for you, surely I will come back for you. Because it makes no sense to prepare the place and not bring my guests. And God wants us to be guests. He wants us to come to the house he's preparing. He wants to live in communion and fellowship for all eternity with us. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But don't worry, I'm sending somebody to be with you while I'm away. I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Spirit of Peace, the Spirit of Truth, the Helper. I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit, and then I will be able to abide with you, and you will be able to abide with me. And 50 days after Easter, on Pentecost Sunday, today, 50 days after our celebration of Easter, the promise came true. The disciples were gathered in an upper room, and the gift of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And somebody preached to me, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, how did the Holy Spirit appear to the people of God? He came down as... Somebody preached to me. I already asked for it, didn't I? Somebody preached to me. Fire. He came down as fire. He came down as fire and appeared over the disciples. But the disciples were not consumed by the fire. Just as the bush was not consumed by the fire, the fire was the fuel existing over the bush. The fire became the fuel for the disciples. The fire of the Holy Spirit became the fuel bringing new life into the followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit fire ignited the passion of mission in the followers of Jesus. The, the, the fire of the Holy Spirit was igniting and fueling them and fueling them. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead was raising them to new life and empowering and equipping them for mission. They were not consumed by the fire. The fire was fueling them. The fire of the Holy Spirit was fueling them with gifts to be used in ministry. The fire of the Holy Spirit was fueling them with fruits to display the glory of of God, just as the fire did not consume the bush, but was the fuel that was existing over it, so the fire of the Holy Spirit 
comes down upon us, friends, and does not consume us, but consecrates us and ignites us and equips us and empowers us to go and to bear the good news of Jesus Christ. I need my people to support me now in this one. I'm going to need the team to come on up and get ready to lead us in some worship because we need to enter a time now where we can consecrate ourselves to the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn in us. And so, friends, let us live into this story now and make it our own. Just as Moses is our entry point into the Exodus story, let us now enter the story ourselves and follow the example now that Moses is finally setting for us. Let us see our God alive and at work in the risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ, and let us make a move towards him. Let us move towards God with us in Jesus Christ. May we hear Jesus calling to us, calling out our names and calling us to life. May we offer our lives to him. Here I am, Lord Jesus. Here I am. Take all of me. Wait, all of us now take off our shoes and come into the presence of the Holy Spirit who is making this hallowed and consecrated ground. Let us ground ourselves now in his worship. Let us ground ourselves now in his cleansing fire that will take all of yesterday away and lead us into the glorious promise of tomorrow. And let us now worship as the people ignited by the fire of the Holy Spirit, by living and reigning and returning Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, if you want to live into this story, if you want to live into this example of Moses, if you want this Holy Spirit Pentecostal life to come upon you, friends, it's easy. It's easy. That button wasn't a lie. That button that I started with wasn't a lie. The book of Acts tells us this is an easy thing for the Lord. What is impossible for us is an easy thing for the Lord. It's an easy thing for the Lord to call us. It's an easy thing for the Lord to lead us into new life. It's an easy thing for the Lord to wash us free of all guilt and all sin because it has already been won for us on the cross. This is an easy thing for the Lord, but it is now for us to step into this promise that he has given. So if you'd like to live into this, friends, just pray with me. Pray with me in your own mind. Pray with me in your own hearts. Pray with me even in your own words. But pray with me if you want to live into this Pentecostal fire. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much for sending us the gift of your Holy Spirit. And now, this morning, before we leave your house today, before we go and we prepare our lives to move into this week, into the days that you are calling us, into the opportunities that you are going to present to us, we know we need to go there. We know we need your Holy Spirit to be in us, to be upon us, to be over us, to be through us. So Holy Spirit, here I am. Holy Spirit of Jesus, here I am. Come and cleanse me and wash me and set me free and lead me into the glorious promise of tomorrow. Give me all I stand in need of this coming week. Equip me and empower me with your fruits and with your gifts and with the power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. Give me that power to go forth in mission for you. We pray this in the strong name of our Savior and our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen, friends. Let's worship him.